You know, I, I, if I can just say again, Church on the Hill is a place that, that we are here to help provide hope. Um, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, and hope for what you're going through. As Pastor Justin prayed and spoke just a minute ago, for those that are battling, there is hope for you. Receive Jesus, walk with Jesus, join with the body of Christ. There is hope here. Amen? And as we get that hope and as we get, the, get pushed over those challenges that we step into our purpose, we have a purpose on this earth. We have a purpose in God. We have a purpose with God. We have a purpose for God, for something amazing. God has an amazing purpose for you. And that's kind of what this message tonight is about. We've been, over the last nine weeks, we've been looking at, or eight weeks, tonight's the ninth, We've been looking at 12 steps to a great year, and this comes out of Hebrew, and you look at the lettuce, but there are 12 places in Hebrews that it t says, let us. And I want you to know that he is speaking to, to the believer, to the believer, but he's speaking to the believer together. It's not let me, it's not let I, it is let us. We have things that we are supposed to do together. God, God's kingdom is not a kingdom out on your own, on your own little island doing your own thing. There is a place for alone time, but it is minor. Our place is with people. You look at the two main commandments that Jesus said. He said to love me and love each other. Not love me and love yourself. Love me and love each other. So we've got stuff we've got to do together. And even though I'm so glad you're here and you're warming a pew and going to hear a good message and heard great worship, it's more than just sitting in a service. It's doing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> doing stuff. So let me real quickly wrap up uh, the, the ones I've gone before. Let us fear, let us be diligent, let us hold fast our confession, let us draw near to the throne of grace, let us press on to maturity, let us draw near to the most holy place, let us hold fast our confession without wavering, and then uh, two weeks ago was let us consider one another. Don't go numb to this, go back and listen to it if you missed any of them. So tonight, step nine let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, this is a great one to highlight. I would encourage you, bring your Bible, get out your iPhone, get the Bible app out and highlight it. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we are here to receive from you. We have come beyond the veil into your presence, Lord, because your word says that where two or more are gathered, you are here. And Lord, we're not on the outside, we're on the inside. We've come in here worshiping you and coming by the blood of the Lamb. We've come into this place by the blood of Jesus. We have received you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, we're walking with you and abiding in you and getting your word in us. Now, we come into this place to receive directly from you. 
We just give you the right to speak directly into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirit. And I just come against any, any attack that may try to hold that back. Yes, little uh, uh, Joseph. Yes, we are here to receive from you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right. Ninth step, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, if you, if you heard me read that, if you read it with me just a minute ago, you may say, whoa, 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 there was two lettuces in there. Two heads of lettuce in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it is a good translation. The English translation didn't necessarily miss it, but I want to I at least give you what it says from the original Greek. And in the original Greek, it says in the first phrase, it says, lay aside every uh, encumbrance. Um, instead of it saying that, it says, lay aside every encumbrance, laying aside every encumbrance, comma, let us run with endurance the race. Laying aside everything that, it, that can get in our way, let us, run, uh, let us uh, run the race with endurance. Now, it's not in my notes to go into this part, but I have to go into this part because you guys know this lasts since August until now or maybe since July, I've been running a lot. And when I first started running, I couldn't run at all. I, I could barely make it down the hill. You know, it's hard to start. But when I did start, I noticed immediately what my encumbrances were. And some things were physical on my body. Some things were the clothing that I was wearing. Yeah, I had on these 80s shorts. It's what I had. I had on, you know, a heavy 100% cotton big shirt. Didn't have a clue. I mean, you would think I would think this through, what's going to happen. I'm going to run. I'm going to sweat. And, uh, and I didn't realize how much I sweated on my forehead. So five minutes later, I've made it 300 yards, and I've got sweat in my eyes. I feel like my pants are to the floor. My shirt's all out of, it's just everywhere, and I've got areas of my body slapping me in the areas that I'm like, I run with Sarah Bet even now, and all of a sudden you'll hear a, <laughs> she goes, what was that? I said, don't worry about it, just keep running. <laughs> You know, I don't have, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's, I'm, it's embarrassing. So I'm running like this and then that doesn't work. And she's like, now what are you doing? I'm like, just be quiet, just run. But even in the natural, you've got to get the stuff out of the way. In the supernatural, in the kingdom, you've got to get the sin out of the way. You try to go with sin and it's going to hold you back. You cannot get free. You got to get free. You got to cut that cord and get free. Church on the hill, church body, get free of your sin. Enough already. Enough already. Why hang on to it? You can get free. And if you don't feel like you can, come up here and talk to us at the end. Come up here and talk to Pastor Justin, talk to Zach, talk to me and Elizabeth, talk to one of my deacons, talk to... Pete and Kim, I mean, talk to my prayer team. I mean, really, the, talk to the person next to you. Person next to you, you tell them you can get through it. And you give them your testimony of what you've gotten through. 
Because you can. You were called to. You were born to. You were born to be an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Okay, that was free. More than once in the New Testament, we see that the Christian life is compared to a race. And when we hear the word race, what I want, what I want you to catch is it, it is a specific course. You do not go and participate in a race where you just run randomly in any direction as long as you want to run, as fast or slow as you want to run, and you're the winner. I mean, that's how most people live their life. But in a race, there's a start, there's a finish. There's a path. There are rules. There are guidelines. There are things to keep you safe. There are things to keep other people safe. But when we hear the word race, that, do you know what that means? When it says that we have a race to run, it is, I believe it is a biblical definition telling you you have a purpose. You have a race to run. Say, I have a race to run. You do. You're running it, by the way. You just may be going in the wrong direction. I've got to tell this story. I'm sorry to do it. Pete's not here, and it just embarrasses him when I tell it. So he's not here, so I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, Pete ran track one year, and uh, he was in the middle of doing one of the plays, Les Mis or something like that, so he never went to practice. It was one of those just laid back. They had enough runners. He wasn't one of the top four runners, so he just got to show up and run. So I thought, well, I'm going to go watch him run. I mean, that's what parents do. And uh, here I sit. And Pete's running a, like a two-mile race. I'm like, Pete, are you ready for a two-mile race? He goes, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm like, okay, I believe you. So here he goes. And he has to do, he has to do four laps. Maybe it was a one-mile. He does the first lap, and literally in the middle of it, he looks up at me and is like, and I'm like, don't look at me. You know how this goes. You remember me as a coach? Focus. But, but I can't, can't help it. I'm just loving it. I'm not coaching him anymore. I have kind of grown up a little bit, and I'm not screaming at my child anymore. I'm just loving, loving him. So I'm like, okay, hey, go ahead. And here he goes, lap two, and he's kind of holding with the pack, lap three. And then on the back stretch, I catch him, kick it into gear, and he's, he's really giving it all he's got. And I'm like, oh, no, you've got a long way to go. You've started your kick too early. And sure enough, he's got another runner in front of him, and he catches him. And I know he just feels so good. He's just running. He's looking up at me. And this guy behind him is catching back up, and I'm, I can't get his attention. I'm like, <laughs> the guy passes him. And, and, but but, the, but the, funny th- the funny thing was, and I'm, la- I'm horse laughing the whole time. It was just so funny. <laughs> and, but he got within 10 yards of the finish line and quit. And laid down in the grass. And his teammates came running going. And like, Pete's like. And then he falls over the finish line and falls over. And I am literally laughing out loud. Thinking, I hope he doesn't see me. But at the same time, this is the funniest thing I have ever seen. He is a tremendous athlete. He is awesome. I love him so much, but he just, he didn't know where the finish line was. <laughs> so after, after we get over laughing so hard and him being embarrassed and 
if you just know Pete, he, he doesn't care. He's good. But I'm like, what is the point of the race? What's the point? The finish line. You start here and you get to there. The goal is here. How do you not know where the finish line is? I do now, Dad. Okay. Okay. Do you know the race you're running? Do you know you're running a race? We're going to look at this again in just a moment. I'm going to give you four requirements for a successful, godly, scriptural race. All right, you ready? Number one is a right mental attitude. If your attitude is is not right, you are going to struggle. If you have a bad attitude, you are going to struggle. Your attitude determines your outcome. And let me tell you, an attitude is a decision. It's not a feeling. If you wait for the feeling, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get up and feel like going and working out. You have to decide to do that. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, we see uh, what's being spoken about is a relationship to Jesus Christ. And it says, that I, may, that I may know him, Paul is speaking, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, what is that saying? Paul is saying, I have a specific objective You'll see, uh, or it says elsewhere, that he is not running aimlessly. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But that he had an aim before him. He knew what the goal was, and this was determined by the right mental attitude. But then he goes on in the next verse to say, Not that I've already obtained it, or have already become perfect or complete, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was, for which also... I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Paul had the vision. Paul could see that Christ had laid hold of him for a purpose. And that purpose was fulfilling. And that the fulfilling of that purpose means to be able to relate to the purpose. We must know the the purpose. He, He must be determined We must be determined that the purpose of Christ will become, we must be determined that the purpose of Christ will become our purpose. Paul understood his purpose and he understood that he had not arrived yet and he understood that he had to press through in order to get there. He continues in verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were here Sunday, you heard that your past does have value. Your past, and you may say, oh, wait a minute, you don't know my past. You don't know mine. How can my past have value? Because it is testimony. If you will continue to walk with the Lord, it will be testimony of overcoming. 
What do you have in your past? If you are walking with Christ and walking successfully, not perfectly, but successfully, then you have overcome what's in your past or you're overcoming it. Or you're approaching it knowing that you can do this and you're not quitting and you're going to hang in there and get over it. Now, that stuff in my past, I've overcome. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not afraid of it. It does not define me. It's in my past. It's gone. I can't go back and get it. It's gone. All I can look at is what's in front of me. And what I want to tell you is you may have come in here living a life of literal hell. I want you to know if you will turn, you have hope in front of you. You have victory in front of you. You may say, Pastor, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Try it. But it's one of those things where if you want the results of working out, it's not just go work out one time. All you'll do is just be sore and hate it. It takes again and again and again and again. And before you know it, what's amazing, and and you guys know my story, seven or eight years ago, 2008, I lost 50 pounds. And people saw it before I saw it. You don't see it in yourself. Still today, I look in the mirror and still think I see that guy. I showed y'all a picture of it sometime in November or something. I'm not showing it to you again. That's in the past. It's on Twitter. You can go find it on Twitter. But it's in the past. But other people saw it in me before I even saw it. Quickly. It was two weeks that the results already started to come. I want to encourage you that this plan, I want to hold up my iPad, the plan of the Word of God, the, the plan that we're, that we're offering here at Church on the Hill that we're selling, that we're peddling, we're not peddling. I mean, we are, we're, offering, we're offering hope here. We're offering something here. When you come to Church on the Hill, we, are, we have something to offer you. And it works every time. Every time. But you have to walk through it. You have to walk it. It's not just a a coin in a slot machine and pull the trigger and you've got it. That's not real. That's false hope. That will drain you of everything that you have. It's proven. But, But walking with Christ is proven good. It's proven good. You just need to hang in there. You need to connect to the person next to you. You need to connect to a small group. You need to connect to someone that can be trustworthy. Not perfect. Just get ready. That person you connect to will hit a bump and will have a hard time at some point. And you know what you're supposed to do then? Not not move them out of the way and think, okay, I'm going to leave you over there until until you feel better. You better? Okay. No. Help them up. When they fall down, help them up. You you will not believe the reward that will come to you helping them. Not only the reward, but you'll start getting your needs met through you helping that person up. I have been rescued so many times out of pits of hell by me helping other people. Not that I've already obtained it. I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet. It says that I press on. He says it twice. That is a mental attitude. That we press on. I press on. 
I have a goal. I haven't arrived, but I know where I'm headed. The last time he says it, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a reward to this race. And what's awesome is there's a reward at the end, but there's rewards all along the way. You get the little, uh, you remember Pac-Man and when the little uh, cherry would pop up? There's, there's little power-ups along the way. There's little goodies along, and they're not little, they're awesome. We don't have a clue of what kind of awesomeness is coming at the end. But there is so much awesome between here and there. There is so much awesome. Pastor, you don't know my life. I, I would tell you, I probably know it better than you think I do. There's awesome in front, in front of you. But you've got to go get it. Our God is so awesome and so loving that he lets us choose. He does not put a noose around our neck and drag us where he wants us to go. He lets us choose him. There is so much power in that, in that we can choose. There's so much power in that we can choose to go the other way. Think of what God gives you the ability to do. He gives you the power to choose. Paul had vision. There is a reward to those that complete the race. Keep the goal in mind, reminding ourselves that we don't want to lose our God-appointed reward. We don't want to lose our purpose. Press on toward purpose. Number two. Number one was the right mental attitude. Number two, I got to get going. Self-control. Everybody say self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit. You have it. You may have never seen it. You may have one of those wallets that you have a billion things in there and you forget what's in there. But you have it. It's in your uh, quiver. If you've received Christ, if Christ is in you, then you have self-control. You just have to use it. And you can. Pastor, you don't know what I, what's got hooked in me. You don't know what's got me hooked. You it, what's in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I'm not telling you that those hooks aren't hard to get free of. They are, but you can. Self-control. This is illustrated in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He compares the Christian life to competing in an athletic contest. Again, it's a great parallel um, because we follow sports, just like watching the, the Final Four this week. We follow it. We know what's going on. But look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, do you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Why not run to win? Go ahead and run to win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. That's the prize. But we, an imperishable. The objective is to win. This thing of it's not, how, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Who says that? Why do two basketball teams face off on each other to find out who's the better one? Why did Goliath stand before the Israelites to see that he was the biggest one? He wasn't. 
It had to be determined out on the field. Play to win. Why not the, the, uh, the church start winning? The church has been losing. It's time to win. Uh, I was seeing on the, news, on the news, maybe on today's show or on the Wall Street Journal or something this last week, that Christians won't speak up anymore. That we're afraid to bring up religious beliefs. Well, we have, we've lost our, what'd you say? Song? Salt. That too, and song. We've lost our way. We need to have a David experience where he finally goes up to everyone and says, wait, don't y'all know who God is? Do you know where David got that? Worshiping. Fighting off lions and tigers and lions and bears. Did I say something wrong? Huh? Is that a song? I don't watch that secular stuff. Y'all have heard my movie references enough to know that's not true. (laughs) David was getting it done between him and the Lord, building that relationship daily. Daily. So that when he showed up on the battlefield, he wasn't even there to fight. He was there to go take his brother's food. And he heard something and thought, something doesn't sound right. I don't have to put up with that. I don't care how big he is. I don't even see how big he is. I just know that what he's saying is wrong. Self-control. The objective is to win the prize. The church needs to win. And we've got to go into training. Control what is uh, an athlete controls what he eats, controls how he sleeps, the amount of exercise that he does, controls his own psychology, controlling what's going on in his head. I remember back in the 80s, I think it was John Smoltz, and this had probably been going on for years, but he started talking about going and seeing a sports psychologist. And I don't know that it was all that popular at that time, and I thought, man, he is a lunatic. What is he doing? Going to see, but, but it made sense. He needed to have his mind right as well as have the physical part right, especially to an athlete. If an athlete thinks they can't make the shot, they won't make the shot. It doesn't matter if you just miss 99, you've got to believe that number 100 is going in. And if a shooter stops shooting, they'll never make it. We've got to keep shooting. Number three, endurance. We cited that in in chapter 12, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is essential in Christian character if we're going to achieve real spiritual success. The opposite of endurance is giving up or quitting. Christians cannot be quitters. When God commits something to us, we must set our face to it and go through with it. There's a close relationship between self-control and endurance. Without self-control, we will not achieve endurance. But we have got to master our weakness. This thing about endurance doesn't kick in until you can't go any further. When you get to that point of not being able to go any farther... Then endurance kicks in. 
but will you press on or will you quit? And there is a time to use your head and to make adjustments. There's also a time to press through. There is a time that the pain that you're feeling isn't going to damage you going forward. Now, there is a time when you're hurt and you need to stop, get help, get healed, and get back on the track. If you break a leg, stop running. Get yourself healed back up and get back after it. But if you've just got some some pains that you can hang on to, you can press through. Press through. Because it's hard doesn't mean to quit. Because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. Because it's hard doesn't mean you've missed God. No, it's hard because it's hard. You've come to that point where everyone else comes to and quits. Now, will we press on or will we stop there and go the other direction? You may be right at that point. Not realize the finish line is right in front of you. Laying down on the grass 10 feet from the finish line. And you don't, re- don't even know it. You don't know you didn't finish. You think you did. Finally, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we already read this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Have you ever thought about Jesus' endurance? Because of the joy set before him. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Grasp that right here at this Easter season. He endured the cross because of the joy set before him. You know what I think is amazing? I think that there's a lot of things that could fit this. But I believe I'm that joy. I believe you're that joy. That little Joseph you're holding. Jesus endured. We've talked so much about his pain and the things that was done to him. But he had to press through. He had to not quit. I don't know that I've ever grasped that. Him having to hang in there and take it. For the joy that was set before him. So many times we, we hit that wall and don't realize the joy that's right, right there if you'll just hang on. Hang on an extra minute or two with your child. Be patient, be loving, hang in there with them. Don't quit on them. Don't quit in your own life, in your marriage. Hang in there. Keep doing the right thing. Keep getting help. Keep asking for help. Keep seeking God and doing the right thing and praying and trying and get help and don't quit. Hang in there. Those of you that are praying for healing, Hang in there. It is scriptural that we keep praying and praying and praying and praying. My God is a healer. Tell the Sarah's God's not a healer. They'll laugh in your face. A joyful laugh. Not a sarcastic, I'm evil laugh. 
Try to tell me that God's not a healer. Try to tell me God can't provide for you. I can tell you that he can and that he will and that he is faithful. I have that in my testimony. I've been delivered of so much stuff. I know he's a deliverer. He continues to deliver me. And I need him to deliver me more. Let's end on a, on a high note. How about that? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Testimony of a victor. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul knew he had won the race, not arrogantly. He knew it. We're not boasting in ourselves, we're boasting in God. God is awesome. He has done awesome things in my life, in my family's life, in this church, over and over and over and over. And we're needing, needing him to do it again. We need him here at Church on the Hill to bless you financially so much that we can go into this building debt-free. Now, that's going to take a miracle. But that's what I believe, is that God's got to bless you. I'm not looking for some big check to show up. I'm looking for God to bless you. You get so excited about what God's going on in your life. You get transformed like that testimony we saw Sunday morning of an atheist for 40 years that said, I was just coming here to figure out why I shouldn't be at this church. And I kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back and got in the word and got in the word and God changed my life. Unbelievable. He finished the course. He knew that there was a prize waiting him. That is a glorious testimony and it can be your testimony. But you got to run the race. You got to run God's race. Now, to AA, those of you that haven't been here since we've done 12 steps, I've just been throwing up the 12 steps of AA. We show, I showed this one to you last week because I didn't preach. But step nine of AA, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or to others. I love these steps. These steps will get, will, are steps to breakthrough, not just to get over alcoholism or drugs. Every step is steps to break through. I want to encourage you. If you've got a problem with somebody and it's not going to harm them to do so, go get it right. It will free you. It's going to free you. It's going to bless you in, in ways that I don't know that I could um, tell you. All right, y'all stand up with me. Let me pray for you.